home slice audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me is uh, Katie Croft, Dr. Katie Croft, a gynecologic oncologist at Monument Healthcare Institute in Rapid City, the Cancer Care Institute in Rapid City. Thank you for joining me, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, today. and uh, again, I want to thank you for making uh, me comfortable right away. Um, you you walked in and broke the ice, and I couldn't be more happy about that. <laughs> thank you. Um, you, uh, what we're going to talk about here on this podcast is uh, women's health, um, specifically when it comes to um, their reproductive organs, um, the vagina and the vulva and the, I'm just going to say all of the words right now to make it comfortable, right? Yes, that's perfect. So <laughs> exactly. I may have walked in here earlier and said that this podcast will have the most number of times he has ever heard vagina and, or vulva said in a single podcast. Um, uh, it's, it's great. It's perfect. It's in this, I, I think this is going to be, well, just having conversations with you before we got started here, this has all been just fascinating and I can tell that this is something you truly enjoy. Um, where where did you where did this journey for you start, Katie? So this was the absolute last thing that I thought I was going to end up doing with my life. Um, I, when I went to medical school, I was intending to be a general surgeon, and I it didn't quite fit for me. Um, and so I toyed with the idea of doing family practice. And then I got on my OBGYN rotation. I was like, where have they been hiding this the whole time? Um, and part of why I was not really interested in OBGYN is that I did a month um, in Peru after my first year of medical school doing pap smears. And I thought that pap smears were all that OBGYN was, and that is not at all the case. Um, we get to have longitudinal relationships with our patients and really get to know patients and take care of them through all different phases of life. And so I I completely fell in love with the field of OBGYN um, on my last rotation of my third year of medical school and had to redo my entire fourth year to be able to apply for OBGYN. And then um, my third month of residency, I was on my GYN oncology rotation and again had that same thought of where have they been hiding this the whole time? <laughs> it's this perfect blend for me of surgery and actually getting to take care of patients and getting to talk with them and, and really getting to know them and taking care of them through some of the hardest times of their lives. Um, I absolutely love my job. I have the best job in the world. Um, I, when I meet my patients for the first time, what I usually tell them is I'm a lady part cancer doctor below the belt. <laughs> so, well, that explains. I mean, that's that's a great way to explain it. And that, I can't that. take credit for it. I stole it from one of our uh, <laughs> one of the folks who did our clinical trials when I was in fellowship. But I take care of the uterus, cervix, um, ovaries, vagina, and vulva. And so today, this, this podcast, we're focusing on the cervix, the vagina, and the vulva. And that's because there's actually quite a few commonalities in the symptoms that can come along with them and also um, in some of the disease processes that can happen there. Um, and I kind of wanted to start with the anatomy down there. Because yes, I, I think that's <laughs> because so many, and we were kind of, we, we joked a little bit about that before mm -hmm. we got started here. And uh, I think that is super important for not only the patient to feel comfortable to come in and talk to you about, but so you understand what really is wrong with them. Because you you actually made a great analogy, if you if you want to share that one again, when you talked about somebody coming in and saying it itches, yes. right? Yes. And it, I've had patients who've come in to other doctors and they're like, it just itches down there. There's something going on down there. And 
a lot of times patients, I think, are hesitant to have their doctor take a look down mm-hmm. there. But to get the right diagnosis, it's really important for someone to actually look. Um, because itching down there can actually be a lot of different things. And also knowing what is itching, where the location actually is, can really communicate with your doctor well about what they need to be looking at and what should be in their list of what they're what they're thinking. Right. Not all itching is yeast. There, there's a lot of other stuff that can happen. And so... The outer part that you see is not the vagina at all. That's the vulva. Um, And I I mean, I've been guilty of it, too. My month in Peru was my hoo-ha summer. Like, we all call things different things. or We have all these different names for it. And I think if we're able to use the same terminology, it takes away the the uncomfortableness of talking about it with someone. And so the external parts, the vulva, the, the bigger lips that are down there are the labia majora, and the smaller ones are the labia minora. Um, and then the vagina is actually tucked away. You can't see it. And, of course, the clitoris is up on the, the top part. There's a hood over the top of it. Right. Um, and then the vagina actually is what we're looking at when we do a speculum exam. We're inspecting the vagina. And then we're also looking at the cervix. And the cervix actually looks like a donut at the top of the vagina. When you look at it, it's like it's a ring with a little hole in the center of it. And that's the part that dilates when a woman is delivering a baby. And so that's what we're really looking at and inspecting. And when you have a pelvic exam in the office, and I, I think I've been guilty of this too, but we think every pelvic exam is a pap smear, and they're not the same thing at all. So a pap smear is a screening test for cervical cancer that does involve doing a pelvic exam. So when you put the speculum in, which is either plastic or metal piece that's super uncomfortable most <laughs> of the time to have put in, but that's how we're able to collect a pap smear and be able to actually see what's going on. And so um, if a woman is saying they're having this white discharge that's super itchy like that actually is probably a yeast infection but over-the-counter products don't always work for them because there's actually multiple different types of yeast that can happen and so if you're having repeated issues with it it's important to go into the doctor if you've used monistat over the counter like four times you should talk to somebody about it because there actually might be something else going on um And then also there's itching on the vulva itself and it may not be yeast Um, patients who have diabetes who have sugar in their urine a lot of times, they can be at higher risk for having vulvovaginal um, candidiasis, which is yeast in the vulva and also in the vagina. Um, But there are also chronic itching conditions that can happen on the vulva um, that we usually have to do a biopsy to prove what they are. But one of those is called lichen sclerosis. Mm -hmm. And it actually can, over time, if it's left untreated, it can change the anatomy down there. So the labia minora can go away completely from lichen sclerosis. Oh, my goodness. The really? The clitoris can completely disappear. Um, they get resorbed. It's actually a, it, it's, it's really kind of a painful um, situation to be in because it also inhibits your ability to have intercourse comfortably. Um, but it, it can be treated with steroids if it's caught early in the process of it. And also it can eventually lead to a, to a type of cancer in the vulva. And so it is important to identify it. And it's probably really under-identified in the population because a lot of women are treating their, their symptoms with yeast medications over the counter right. instead of talking to somebody about it because they feel uncomfortable. And what I wanted to do this podcast for was really to encourage women to be comfortable talking to their doctors about their downstairs area. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> and that it's okay to get it checked out. And yeah. maybe if you use the term, my vulva's itching, that might help you to um, to make it a more of an objective thought through it instead of it being something that is kind of scary to discuss with your doctor. Right. Um, 
want to share a funny story about a child of a gynecologist, um, a friend of mine. Um, her four-year-old daughter was at the beach and came running up to her mom and exclaimed, Mom, I have sand in my vulva. <laughs> and so if a four-year-old can exclaim, I have sand in my vulva on the beach, then yes. I think that women of all ages should be able to come into their doctor's office and say, I've got itching in my vulva. Right. There's something going on. <laughs> Can you check it out? Well, and that's, you know, a lot of people, too, will, I think, first anymore, turn to the Internet right mm -hmm. away when something like this happens. But again, that can also be kind of a, a scary process, because as I was getting ready to talk to you today, um, one of the questions on here was maintaining vulvar health. Right. Mm -hmm. I type in the word vulvar, thinking it's similar to vulva, obviously. Yep. The first thing that pops up, vulvar cancer, mm -hmm. right? And and right away, you know, the jokes you always see is, you know, oh, I have a cough. Check my check it on Google. Oh, look, I'm dying of this right. rare cancer. So I think that plays a lot into it too. Where you know, the, the internet's fine; mm -hmm. it gets you a place to start. But understanding what everything is, and then coming to talk to you is what's important, right? And I. So vulvar cancers are incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. even Good. That's the, great to hear right Even now, though yes. it was the first thing that right. came up on there. Um, I do take care of a lot of vulvar precancerous lesions. And what you've got to remember about the vulva is its skin, just like any other skin in your body. So it can get cancers just like you get in other places. So squamous cell cancers, which a lot of patient, people listening to this may have heard of before because you may have had one taken off by a dermatologist on your shoulder, um, they can happen in the vulva too. That's actually the most common type. And so one of the conversations that I usually have with my patients who have vulvar cancer is you don't have to tell anybody where it is. Right. Just tell me you have a skin cancer because that's really what it is. Um, and that sometimes takes away the stigma that's associated with it yeah. because it is it's skin. Um, and the symptoms of of vulvar precancers, a lot of times chronic itching is one of them. Um, and vulvar cancers and precancers a lot of times are associated with human papillomavirus or HPV, which a lot of the listeners and viewers right now probably have heard of because of the Gardasil vaccine and heard about it in cervical cancer. Um, HPV is oftentimes the culprit behind vulvar cancers and also behind vaginal cancers, which are even rarer than oh, wow. vulvar cancers are. And so um, the human papillomavirus, it's a sexually transmitted virus that if you've had sex, you've probably been exposed to. Mm -hmm. It's super, super common. Um, and the vaccine that's out is meant to prevent against um, the most common high-risk types. So certain types of HPV are more likely to cause you to develop precancers or cancers. How many types of HPV cancers are there? So um, of HPV virus? Yeah, the virus. I'm sorry. I don't know that I know. There's okay. like probably at least hundreds of them at oh, this point. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So the two, they're all numbered. So 16 and 18 are the two that are most um, most implicated for cervical cancers. And those are the high-risk types that we test for. But there's also a couple of other ones in there, maybe 10 or 15 types that get tested for on a pap smear now. Um, and so those high-risk types are more likely to cause cancers. The original Gardasil vaccine protected against 16 and 18 and also against two types that cause vulvar warts. Um, and so they, that's one way of decreasing your risk of developing a vulvar cancer is getting the Gardasil vaccine. It also decreases the risk of cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. Almost all cervical cancers are HPV-derived. There are very rare exceptions for them not to be related to HPV. Um, the vulvar cancers... HPV is one flavor of it that, you, that can happen, and then also um, the lichen sclerosis cancers are another type that can form in there. They, they come from two different pathways. So the lichen sclerosis ones usually happen in older women, so that's like 
in their 70s and 80s are when we're seeing that, whereas the HPV ones tend to be a little bit younger and a lot of times are associated with cigarette use too. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I used to have one family practice uh, attending who specialized in HPV-related colposcopy, all sorts of things, and he used to say one cigarette upstairs uh, in your mouth was like two down below. Um, because it really, it adds fuel to the fire of right. HPV. So HPV really is a driving factor for developing these precancerous lesions. And so if you've got chronic itching down there, it may not even, may not be lichen. It may not be a yeast infection. It could be a precancerous lesion that is treatable. And that's the other thing I want folks to take away from this is that you shouldn't be afraid to go to the doctor to bring something up because if you go early, we actually really can take care of it before it becomes a cancer. Or if it is a cancer, the earlier we find it, the better chance we have of taking care of it and making it go away. And instead of having the really scary C word of cancer, we can have the really good C word of cure. Right. Even better. <laughs> yeah. um, now, that itch, with that with that uh, vaccine, uh, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier, too, about it being probably the only cancer vaccine in existence, which is still amazing yeah, that, that, is. That, that we've we've gotten this far. Um, what... What are what is the, the the optimal age for somebody to get vaccinated? And um, that is an excellent question. It should happen before um, folks are folks are sexually active. Okay. Um, and I believe the guideline is 11 years old, but truthfully, it's given more often in the pediatric practice. Oh. So I am not as familiar with the guidelines for sure. it. Sure. Just because I usually see the after effects of right. HPV, right? Um, rather than the avoiding getting HPV. Okay. So 11 to 13 tends to be the age range, but you'd have to double check with your pediatrician. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And that's, that's always smart too. Um, so what other, uh, you know, what other kind of, uh, I guess I'm sure there's hundreds of, but what are other, uh, general more common things should women look out for aside from itching? itching. So things, you know, that you, that you would be like, look, if this happens, you gotta tell me. Yeah. So painful areas, painful sores on the vulva, they can be a sign of other sexually transmitted infections like herpes or things like that, but they also can be a sign of a precancer or cancer Mm -hmm. of the vulva. Um, Areas that are bleeding, that is not normal. You should not have bleeding areas coming from the vulva. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you notice that, um, for the cervix portion of this, if they're having bleeding after intercourse, so if you notice that you're bleeding every time that you have sex, that can be a sign of cervical cancer. It may just also be cervical irritation that has happened maybe from HPV that's not related to a cancer, but it's something to go get checked out um, because especially if you're not up to date on your pap smear screening and you're noticing that you're bleeding every time you have sex or that you're having your period and it's the worst period you've ever had every single month, sometimes that can be because there's actually a mass on the cervix that's bleeding and that every time you're having sex, it's getting actually mechanically hit right. and that's the reason that you're bleeding every single time and so that's one of the most common kind of in any doctor that you go to um not just a gynecologist it's a red flag if you say i'm bleeding every time i have intercourse mm. um that is always a red flag for possible cervix cancer um and if you mention that you're having a, a painful sore on the vulva something like that that should prompt any doctor depending on their comfort level to take a look at it mm-hmm. So uh, as far as you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, uh, like with yeast infections and and itching and things like that, I think the first place a lot of women will turn to is over-the-counter medication. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Do you you recommend that that's a place to start, or should they always see the doctor first? It depends on the situation that that the woman is in. So if let's say that you have diabetes that's not under great control, 
the over-the-counter medications may not be enough to take care of it. If you've had yeast infections before, you haven't had one in five years and it worked the last time and you're going to go to the doctor if it doesn't get better, I think it's reasonable to use over-the-counter mm -hmm. things in that situation if it's something that you're familiar with and you know what it is. But I think as a general rule of thumb, if you're doing something and it's not making it better, right. that should definitely be a reason to go into the doctor. Um, even if you're like my mom and not a fan of going into the doctor, <laughs> which she might be listening to this, so she might kill so me for saying that. Yeah, push her to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, <Right. laughs> but um, even if you're not a fan of going in, if you're doing something that should be making your problem better and it's not, you should go get it checked out. Are there any over-the-counter medications that you just don't recommend, that there are things you're like, you know what, try so, to avoid those? So in general, we don't recommend doing douching at all. Okay. Um, so that is something to be avoided. There are vaginal moisturizers that I do actually recommend for a lot of my patients. So there are a couple of different companies that make them like Replens or right. things like that um, that I use in my patients who can't go on hormones because of a history of breast cancer mm -hmm. or for whatever reason. So those are great. Vaginal moisturizers can be really helpful. Um, and then, you know, there are a lot of lubricants that are available over the counter. Most of those are just fine. Um, and we do recommend over the counter yeast medications. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're cheaper than getting them by from a prescription, depending on what your insurance coverage is. But it may not be adequate to treat what you have. And you also could have a yeast that is not sensitive to the medication that's in it. Um, oh. meaning that the that it's resistant, that it's going to continue growing and nothing's really going to happen. And there are a few like that. Okay. So if you use something that worked before and it's not working, then either the problem isn't a yeast infection, it isn't what you thought it was going to be, and there's something else that needs to be checked out, or you may have what you, what you self-diagnosed correctly, um, and it is actually resistant to whatever treatment you've used, and you need something different. So what I'm hearing here is don't listen to Gwyneth Paltrow. Is that what I'm getting? That's generally a good rule of thumb to avoid listening to things on Goop, I think. Oh, that's great. Although oh. it's highly entertaining. Oh, it absolutely is. You're right. <laughs> um, well, uh, God, this has been a lot of fun, uh, Dr. Croft. Uh, thank you so much for coming in to talk about this. And I know I want to have you back again because you did touch a little bit on um, the ovarian and the uh, endometrial cancers yeah. that I think a lot of women get concerned about. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we'll have you back to have that conversation again. And anytime you want to come in, this is you're, you're fantastic at this. Okay, <laughs> you're, very, <thank> you. <laughs> you're very good at it. So thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Right. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.